Oh, hello, and welcome to Induction Burners, Episode 3, Ceramics, with Lee Maida and Pam Linz. Like, it was just me and Hillary and five dudes. You may remember this. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember. Was this a RISD moment? Yeah. yeah. Oh, RISD, Jesus, you guys went While you were in college? Together. Yeah. And you oh, still okay. talk? That's like amazing. Towards <laughs> the end of it, like, Picasso nude. In what, like the National Gallery? Yeah. And they were like, look at the tits on that one. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's not guys. something I would have said. Wait, are we recording right now? Can that go to the no, podcast? Yeah. Same insensitive. You would never say that. He's like, guys, you, you were the worst. I, I remember like, the other guys who were there. That definitely, definitely was not. That was David. Did you guys, did you guys think I kneel. Do you have a pedestal? No pedestal. You kneel yeah. all day? I kneel all day. This is going back to the nun. Yeah. Huh. I actually fantasize about being a nun. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I think it would be a good a good gig for me. What young woman doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> it's basically one of my choices. <laughs> Was nun or not nun? <laughs> and yet, and yet here we are. And yet here we are, really but, you not. Know, I grew it. up like in the Catholic Church during, like you know, Vatican II. So it was like a hip thing. What's a Vatican? II? Was Vatican? Because people on the news talk about Vatican II, like it was something that the whole country like knew about and was like. Excited I think it about. was. Can I you think it was. This? I, yeah. I, I can't really explain it, but it was basically like if like the United States like rewrote their yeah their yeah. constitution, you know, like the Catholic Church rewrote all these things and like they got progressive about education. And they got progressive about like nun rights. Yeah. They got progressive about you know how uh, you know they taught religion because it was like more instead of like studying the Catholic Church, you, we studied like the religions of the world. Like it was really progressive, um, and you know the, the nuns got rid of the habits. Oh know, right, yeah. Fashion and hairdos. Yeah. And was that uh, part of nun rights? I guess so. Yeah. Huh. Definitely. Nuns still got a bad deal though, because like the the priest always got like the really fancy house, like the rectory. Even if there were like ten nuns and there was like one priest, who got the fancy house? Probably the priest. Obvious, okay. obvious. Yeah. Yeah. But those nuns didn't want that. I don't fancy want to be house. that kind of nun though. I don't want to be like I know, a the Christian nun, American I, nun. I had like some like you, you know like a Greek. nun that was like a Freudian you know psychologist and stuff. Well, you know that's a really interesting cool. thing about like listening to these Dharma talks and. Starting uh, starting up this whole little practice, yeah. That uh, little little practice called Buddhism, um, that it's really so much like analysis, or the end game of psychoanalysis, as far as I understood it, is that you you go through this like experience of transference, and you end up on the other side, basically just attempting to, or just like being like whatever works. Like this is me. This is like try like finding a place for all of your you mean if you disease finish. and idiosyncrasy. If you finish. If you finish. Yeah. If you and, reach acceptance. And, and if you reach enlightenment, the same is true. That you are just you're basically looking 
to like peel off the layer so that you can be your true self which is the tr- same thing for psychoanalysis just like more language around it right well this is a great way to start our, our, it's our not just talk. language <laughs> yeah. there's structure but like um, right <laughs> you know we can, and thousands of and years. that can bring us right to the right to the clay thing too. right to the clay thing which, <laughs> okay what's the clay thing well yeah leave that for the moment leave Maida. Lee, Lee Maida <laughs> and Pam Lins uh, yeah. are our guests for this segment. Lee is the person that I'm introducing that I personally love. She's a ceramicist, among many other. Uh, is that how you want to be known? Mediums. First. <laughs> I just throw ceramic, it out there. Ceramicist first. I make ceramics. It's one of the things, mm-hmm. an important thing. And uh, I guess Pam is the one that I will be introducing in this unusually formal, formal. Uh, uh, I know, I'm like wedding, sweating. Wedding, <laughs> wedding style introduction. Um, Pam, Pam is also a painter, sculptor, ceramicist, artist, teacher, person. Oh, you gotta fill out my identity. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, go. I'm with him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stick I know with she's me, I'll cooler take you than me and and my you know. But here, let's let's hear some. Yeah, uh, I'm a sculptor. Yeah, you guys are both sculptors. In fact, Pam was my teacher of sculpture. Briefly. Briefly. <laughs> you guys had a brief a brief educational fling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was a. F- I would call it a fling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking like flinging clay or uh, casting clay. I think you were trying to get away from clay. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. we knew you, each other. You. Oh, Remember? in. In school? Yeah, in, should we name the institution? Bard. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. I love that place. I think, um, love that place. Were you making ceramics before? I mean, I, I mean, I've been making ceramics since I was younger. Uh-huh. I, and, and your show was ceramics. And my sh- my MFA show, like, presentation was mostly ceramics. And but many, textiles. but other things as well. But other, well... Everything in the in my exhibition was had some ceramics. Ce- had ceramics or fabric in it. Yeah, everything. So, there was a rug. Okay, um, that was a textile. Yeah, uh, I started making ceramics a really long time ago, and then I also made I made a body of work in 2010 that I applied with which I applied to Bard. That was clay stuff and textiles. Oh yeah, never, I don't know if I ever saw that. So. It was a reoccurring thing, but I did distance myself from the medium for a couple of years for whatever reason. Yeah. Misled reason. Really misled. Then And then you rejoined the fold. And then I rejoined the fold as a ceramicist. As a ceramicist. And are, are you part of the club? The like... Well, no. Oh. Just, just... I came I came a couple times. Yeah. Oh, we got to talk about Ceramics Club? Yeah, right? I mean, you came, but I think at one that point, though, too, which it didn't work for you. It doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. But you were also, I remember, your show opened in a couple of weeks or something. I don't remember. Or something. I just remember that. But, you know, Ceramics Club is, like, amazing, kind of, like, funny, like, great thing and stuff, but it, it's not for everybody. I, I think I you, had... were, you were sort of advanced for us. I, I had the reason why I didn't come back. Did you was just go showboat at this? <laughs> I was um, <laughs> at Abrams Art Center at the residency. Mm. That at that point, so That's I had a kiln all to myself. That's what it was. Uh, yeah, and I couldn't afford it. 
Yeah, and also Granite House Prior, it's like completely a pain in the ass to like make things there as a group, you know, because it's like... Do you want to say just a little bit just for people? Because sure. there was recently a show at White Columns that yeah, yeah. Um, you participated in. That was yeah, called... I'll just give you a little historical um, information. Yeah. Like in, I think it was 2007, Patricia Bag and I like decided to make this club. Like, let's make a ceramics club, you yeah. know? And we had a lot of different reasons for doing it. And um, we wanted it, you know, ideally, we wanted, like, old people, young people, all sorts of different kinds of people. But, of course, like, we'd be like, hey, we're having a ceramics club. And it'd be, like, Trisha and I just showing up. <laughs> you know, like, nobody would show up. And, like, we were trying to do it at Cooper at that point. And, like, we could work at Cooper from, like, 12 to, like, 3 on Sundays we had to wait for the guy to let us in, and then, like, they would let us out, and then they were always telling us we're making a mess, but, like, we kept trying for a while. And then it just, like, didn't go on. And then we just pretended like it did, like, hey, what about that ceramics club? What about the ceramics club? <laughs> and then I met Adam Welch, who runs Greenwich House Pottery, and he's, he's like, great. you can do anything here. And uh. I'm like, can we do ceramics club? With yes. Can you, like, drink? Yes. Can we be naked? Yes. Can we bring dogs? Yes. Can we, like, do anything? And he's like, yes. Like, he just, like, you know, he just is like a great sort of like. Um, Can we bring naked dogs? Yes, naked dogs. He was a great facilitator for like the club, and he just let us do whatever we wanted to do, and it's great. And we meet there when they close down, and you know. And what does a place like crazy. that do when they're open? Like, you know, they have like a really long history of educational ceramics, you know, uh, and it's you know a crazy place. It's like been there since like you know like Jackson Pollock worked there, and like. Um, you know, it's been there for like a hundred years, and you know, it's a historical building, and you know, it's a really kind of great place. I mean, and they also have like a, like a methadone clinic, and they have like you know, like it's a um, nonprofit institution. Um, but they they run classes, and you know, there's people that have been taking classes there like forever. Yeah, and uh, it's a cool place. Very cool place. Do you work? Oh, sorry. Do you work with people like in the ceramic club? Do you work with people that are amateurs that are like people that are outside your circle that are just hanging out? Well, I mean, funny that you say the word amateur because that's sort of something I'm interested in. Right. But I mean, like the idea of amateur is like a concept or whatever, you know, and like outside my circle, I don't know what that means. But um, most of the people that come are artists. And but most people didn't really know clay, know mm-hmm. how to use clay. And this is idea that like it's almost like a groundhog sort of idea. Like every week we're like, how do you do this? Like how do you do yeah. this? Did I do this before? Did I do this before? Like and then we're just constantly like Adam is the one professional, and we're like, Adam, how do we do this? Adam, 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 how do I do this? Adam, 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 Adam. He's really technically proficient. That yeah, guy. he's he amazing. Can fabricate anything. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I just wonder because. <clears throat> Like, but the idea is to never really become like a professional, right? Yeah, I'm really into that too. Like, yeah, there's a there's a huge community of people there that have been making ceramics for you know all on all different levels and all different ways in all different kind of professional, non professional, amateur ways, um, in your craft way, and and it's like um, a lot of those boundaries get like sort of questioned or whatever mm-hmm. with what we're doing, of course, because it's sort of. Like, we're the, the crazy kids, you know, that, like, kind of come in when the place is closed and... Um, get naked. Yeah, get naked, and there's rumors and everything. But, but there's also some really, like, radical people, like, you know, some amazing artists have been working there, like Alice Mackler has been working there forever, and right. Joan Greenberg has been working there, and, 
you know, I don't know the name of some of like the potters, but like there's people that have been working there for years that are really like amazing ceramics people, you know, and I, and I don't know about you, Lee, but like, you know, like the weird thing about being identified like as a ceramicist, like, dude, like, what, like that's still like a contested sort of like situation, right? Well, what, because it's a craft identity or something? I feel like that it's like it's weird. The majority of shows that I've ever been asked to participate in in my adult life have been ceramics oriented, <laughs> really beer oriented, or women oriented. I know. And you're like, like dude. which ghetto would you like to be <laughs> yeah. today? No, it's, it seems like well, because well, what is, like because one thing it seems like the way that you have to organize like in order to even do certain like you have to like like sort of group together right and get a kiln. Which the kiln like, thing's um, a problem in New York. The yeah, kiln, I mean, it's, it's a problem, but also I was talking to another friend who makes ceramics yesterday about this, that he's been making ceramics in his home studio. And I was like, why don't you just go to Greenwich House or go? I mean, they're all it is a problem, but also in a way it's less of a problem here than it is in rural environments because it, it is a huge investment to buy a kiln. And here there are all these community environments where you That's can true. pay they're per day over. to like throw something in the like on the wheel and put it in the kiln load or whatever. No, and also like mm. you don't have to fire ceramics. I mean there what was the best show of last year was that guy Oh my god. James Thomas, James Son of Ford oh, Thomas yeah, at NYU. Things. I mean that was like an amazing show and that was all unfire clay that he had made like since like, you know, his whole life. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. unfire clay With teeth and that he hair like and, and that he like dug up bottle. like local clay and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And um That was a beautiful show. You know, there's all those officially wise pieces. I mean, that's kind of the turn on for me. Like that stuff they've been doing since the eighties. Yeah. What's the name of that? Like the overview an- Overview like... of the World. Yeah, that sounds right. I think, like... you know, that they've been doing since like nineteen eighties and like was in the biennial in two thousand eight and I don't remember where else, but like that's all in fire clay also. Yeah. You know. So well, this... <clears throat> to fire or to not to fire. Well, this is like the mastery <laughs> the ma- part of a little bit about the mastery thing and in a in a craft medium or something like I don't what you were saying about mm, amateur being an amateur I I mean that you're it's not about necessarily the rules of the medium that the the material is just another thing I mean it's like plastic or glass or anything it's not necessarily I mean, it can't. There are rules. It's like a scientific process to some extent. Like this thing with water in it, the water gets sucked out. It gets hard, but it get, it breaks. <laughs> What's happening to me? It breaks. <laughs> I mean, it, it's. I mean, it has all these different states, I guess. And there are ways that you're supposed to deal with it. And then there are ways that people like when you're in ceramics club or when you're just fucking around or when you're ignoring all of that for whatever reason that. It can move in different ways. I mean, hanging out with Rochelle recently in her studio, and she's just squeezing all these coils into this thing. Like, that's that was Rochelle, one, <clears throat> Goldberg. Thanks. When I was in college and making ceramics, I was making all these flat things, which are kind of similar to what I'm making now, like rolling out all this flat shit and putting it in the kiln. And my teachers were all 
would all say it's not how you do you, you can't do you can't that. do this <laughs> i mean that's the fun that's flat. fun that's right. fun that's the fun part of it that it's this well there is a painterly that, part of your it seems very because like you a, know stri- it's like practice the, what you're talking about is like painting right it's like there's this whole crap like the history in some way it's the thing that you contend with because there's all these like ways to do things or not do things like supposedly or is that separate from like the craft do you know what i mean like no i mean ceramics has just been like a rat it's like an ancient material and so yeah. there's a lot of like stuff to contend with in terms of like it's very loaded with like all these other ways of doing right. things or... like textiles or painting yeah. or any of these things where there are before there are people who have names who made these things, there are lots of people who didn't have names. Yeah, Prehistoric exactly. things, ways of making things that, you know, yeah, there are so many years of history to contend with and that. I mean, but I guess like for me, um, yeah, of course we don't work in vacuums, right? We're artists. But one of the things that I love about clay is like, I just feel like it's like completely democratic, you know, like it's just sort of like in the more fucked up things are becoming like the more democratic, like a material like clay is like, you know, cause it's just like, you can just squish it. In yeah. Anything. You just squish it. It's like <laughs> surfing or something. All you need is like a surfboard in the water. You just need like clay oh, in I your body. I love that analogy. You know, I mean like, come on, is there another one that has like, even like with just drawing, you need like more than a pencil things. yeah you know, like yeah. you know you you don't really need that much for clay like Damn, how did force. you first gravitate to, to clay? clay yeah i don't even remember god you know i'm new to it i'm new to it um ceramics club i think you know and then it was just sort of um yeah, I wanted, to, you know, oh, I know, I know exactly how it is. It was because mm-hmm. I had an interest in, and I have an ongoing interest, and in maybe it's going to be my next project of redoing the dinner party, you know, or <laughs> oh, updating cool. the dinner party. Judy Chicago's? Judy Chicago's, awesome. you know, like, and it's, you know, it would it would be like an homage and an update and a many things at once and stuff, but... um. What would you do to update it? Well, I think, like, you know, if you sort of, like, study the dinner party you know like she often updated it like you know she didn't like name all the craftspeople and then the next time she you know kind of got shit for that so like she named all the craftspeople and then like the next time like they had to like you know there's a there was a lot of changing as every time she showed it you know Mm -hmm. um and I just sort of thought like I you know we're all struggling with like what does it mean to be a feminist now you know and like people aren't that interested in it and you know, I think the struggle to sort of figure out what that would mean would be interesting, you know. And um, and I and I think like the craft idea of that uh, whole project is super interesting to me. You know, like that. You know, I don't know, like two thousand people worked on that thing or something insane, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and um, and I just, it just seems like that should be re-examined. That you know, so sense. that's like how I got interested, and like that was actually the initial um, sort of place where Trisha and I decided to do Ceramics Club. We were like, let's redo the dinner party, and maybe Ceramics Club has redone the dinner party. I mean, maybe it's already happened, <laughs> you know. But there is a venue coming up too. Yeah. Yeah, I do wonder, talking to both of you, how ceramics plays into like feminism and vice versa i know it's like a really fucking like obvious no i don't think it's obvious at all the first (laughs) thing that you i thought when you said that was like wow that's so dense it's what i think (laughs) you think of ceramics when you think of feminism well i think like of the current moment like there's a certain 
There are a lot of women sculptors who are making clay objects. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I mean, I got to think about that for a second. I don't know. So somehow, can we tie that into like the surfing analogy? Well, it, it does know. have to do with water. It definitely has to do with water for me. Right. I know. If I, I think that, well, I don't know. I don't know, but I was thinking about this earlier, and I was thinking about, I was thinking about states, like how, as a dramatic person, I really enjoy the fact that clay has this it's so dumb. Clay mm-hmm. is the dumbest clay thing is, ever. It's and it's funny. totally we can manipulate it's dumb clay. And funny. <laughs> it's true. It's it can well it can be. It can also be very serious and sincere. But it isn't smart. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that it's like it's interesting that they're like that it starts off as this squishy like visceral bodily excretion that like you could just it's your poop and you're playing with your poop. And then you put it in an oven and it becomes this total, like almost unbreakable thing. Like that it's, I mean, I just, I think that like it is like tied into the cycle of life or something that I don't know, it's really dramatic, but I think it's cool that, I mean, that water is the thing that separates it from it's like play stage to it's, object stage and then there are all these stages in between which are also potential permanent states like it being unfired but dry or whatever that you could replace this thing that it could be like a built environment yeah I mean I mean trying to like sort of think about the materiality of clay and like how that could be tied into some sort of feminist position is like it, that's really hard for me but um one I'm going to think about like t- totally interesting just try to figure out and I think like to me I just kind of keep going back to this idea that like clay it's like dumb and funny. not feminist dumbness is not feminist. no but dumbness <laughs> like in a in a art Got way kind out. of dumb you know like when you look at a piece of art and you're like that's so dumb but like in that way that like dumbness like is like lies together with like something, you know, like dumbness is only good when it lies together with like, you know, smartness or something, you know, not to be that everything's binary or whatever, but maybe it's about a direct line of subjectivity or something that like there's because it's so dumb, it's not like wood has a grain. There's like this, there are rules. There are like ways in which you have to move with wood that you don't have to move with clay. You can just like, do whatever the fuck you want. So maybe there's something about the dumbness of it that makes it more of a potentially expressive medium or something. Maybe. Or like, you know, I think all those things that you sort of said about it, like, you know, it comes from the earth and there's water and all this stuff and there. And like clay can sort of work with the rules and without the rules, right? And I think that that, you know, I mean, like if you think about feminism at this point, right, or... Like, you're really, to me, like, it's sort of how do we think about, like, feminist history in some sort of creative way, right? Because I think there's a lot of the history of feminists that I'm not really not interested in bringing along with me, you know? There's, like, some really bad moments. Well, there's a lot of feminists. I don't know if the, I don't want to say bad, but, like, moments that I don't identify with. Right. There's a lot of feminism that makes sense historically, but does not make sense in terms of a, a 
appropriating now or a like or maybe it doesn't even make sense historically (laughs) it does make sense historically it's interesting to know that but like you're just but like with this you know in that way that like you move on like let's move on from that one and then like some people didn't move on I mean, maybe it's not like, I mean, I haven't really, yeah, that's a really tough question, but I think that, uh, maybe it goes back to the amateur question, but, but it's, why are, why are feminists amateurs? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think there, I mean, if I'm going to try to break down even the definition of feminism or something that or queer identity or any of these sorts of, not any of these, things that I identify with or as or as a part of a community or something and things that make that identity a subject, like something to look at, are just ways of talking to each other or ways of seeing the world or thinking about things. And so it's not necessarily... I don't know. I guess I just, I feel like something needs to like equalize the question of what if it is to be feminine, a feminist even, because I, I fear that when, when a lot of people hear that word, they just think about equality and that's so much not what I think of. What do you think of? Uh, I mean, I, I think that it's, it's a way of thinking. I think that it's, I don't know, I just recently read this funny little interview that Eileen Miles did at the New York Times. Oh, I read that. It was really, really good, actually. And she just... Did you read the comments? No, I should read the comments. Oh, the comments were really great. I never go into the comments. Wait, you... you, you But maybe give us a summary and then I'll read the comments. Um, The comments are good. A summary. Well, the one thing that stuck with me was something that I've had a conversation with A.L. Steiner about for years or heard her say before, um, I guess I should say years ago, um, that men should just go on vacation for 50 to 100 years. Oh, yeah, that years. was great. It was pretty much, <laughs> that was the greatest thing I ever heard. That was, I, I just, know. well, because I used to talk to Steiner about this, and she was just like, there should just, all of the objects that were made by men should go into deep storage. Just for a while. Just for a while. Just yeah. to like kind of pre- press the reset button. Right. Yeah. To even the scale. To start, not to even the scale Sorry, is part of the problem. It's like to just make it so that women are first. Like women are the first thing that come to mind, not the last. Or that. Or they're like, it's mo- more, it's, well, there's more female stuff. Right. I mean, you know, we, the, we're still having problems with that like pay scale thing, of course, too. Yeah. But I like the idea of men going on vacation. No offense, David. No, yeah. I read that, that too, and that actually really struck me. Like, I read that same thing. And it's a fabulous picture of Eileen. <laughs> and I just, you know, I just reread Chelsea Girls, and, like, the whole thing about Chelsea Girls that's amazing is, like, the clothes. Yeah. Like, the way she talks about the clothes and, like, the book, you know? It's yeah. just, like, and I remember I was wearing, like, a surf shirt from, like, you know, like, some store in Boston or something, you know? And it just really puts you... So it's, it's a great way to yeah. like sort of for everybody, really democratic way for everybody to remember like their own life, you know. That was just a beautiful book. I remember when space dyed sweaters were really in style, nineties. Thinking about space dyed sweaters. Anyway, yeah. But wait, what did I, the comments I go back to I want to go back to like this idea of because um, now I'm always sort of thinking maybe I'm an amateur feminist, 
But like um, one of the things that like draws me to this idea of like amateurism is also like I sort of feel like maybe every artist is an amateur at some point, you know, now because, right, everybody crosses medium yeah. and like I'm a painter, I'm a sculptor, <laughs> I'm a designer, I'm a, I make things with clay, I sew, I, you know, I do performance, I... A writer. <laughs> that's the one that still claims territory. I though. know that's true. It really I'm does. Like, maybe I should write a book. No, 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 no. I couldn't do that. Because like, there's like rules that people still don't want to give up with, like writing. I just, but um, writing. You know, I uh, I'm, I'm going personal with this. Um, so you know, because I I always think about like with all these programs and these apps and everything, you're like, hey, I could design something, or like you just Google something, like, hey, I could like make a boat totally. you know hey i could like you know figure out how to do a clay a and like i and i sort of feel you can actually you can do all those things that's feminist yeah there you put many of like you put many selves forward that to me is what is to be a feminist and that's that good. is like that. tied into my love of amateurness amateurism you know it's like you can do it you can just try it and right. and you know what's that um Flaubert, who are the two guys in Flaubert that like they always try and fail? You know, who are those no. two characters? I was like, come on, David, like give me the answer. Like, who are those Flaubert guys? <laughs> 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 like, like they want to do a farm and they fail, but they like the attempt is like more interesting than like, right. you know, and everything. So I don't know. I guess like, um, uh, I feel like there could be something with amateurism and feminism and clay yeah Were they into mastery? Okay, I'm speaking broadly about really one person. Oh, <laughs> so like, there's this poet there while I was at well, McDowell. I hope he never listens to this podcast. He had um, <laughs> he had a big beret. It wasn't just a regular beret. It was like Wait, it's a beret metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> Good one, Pam. Um, anyway, Wait, we got into a few arguments over dinner about the idea of mastery or the. He had a big beret. Well, yeah, he said he he bought it in Spain. There was some story about how he it, he thought it was going to be smaller, but it was much bigger. Did he get it from the New Yorker? And yet he wore it. <laughs> he wore it, and it was literally three times the size of his head. It I was enormous. I don't Did it look think good? it looked really silly. But he had a kind of a big, a good big face, so it's like. But he was a master. But he was a master, a uh-huh. poet master. Poet master, and um. Well, it's interesting, too, because uh, you and I are not the same age. And you grew up and went to school in a time where mastery was even more important. Like, I feel like right now... I've spent my whole life, like, fighting against mastery, but go on. I mean, (laughs) let me just say my, my current state is... I think that it is important to work really hard and to work serially at points to try to understand what a medium is to me like to say if I want to make something out of clay or glass or whatever the material is that I make a lot of work that I make a lot of work I just feel like it's important that I show up every day and make something 
or try or think or whatever. You like yeah. a hard day's work. It's a mm, job. I do like laboring, actually. That's another story. But I think that, or just even thinking about it or obsessing about it or whatever, I just think mastery can mean a lot of things. But uh, the idea of like the old school that you would be an apprentice to someone and learn, or the, a student of someone, some male elder, and learn the right, right. way to do something and then be in their shadow for years and years until you break out on your own and make some masterpiece or something. Because it's like a way of regulating change. Kind of. Well, that's not... I mean, it, there's no room for, in my in my definition of it, feminist logic in that situation, in yeah. that structure. Yeah, it's weird because I also, like, you know... Um, think it's cool when somebody's like you know a really amazing woodworker totally. you know like i yeah. totally respect that and everything but i guess there is no room for that in my practice life well as Whatever. a blanket as a blanket yeah. as an as a requirement but what about if somebody like, wants to choose that path to become a prolific like virtuosic you think that's sculptor that's fine that's totally legit unfeminist yeah. no but i think that the require the requirement is is not to have that be the only value system kind of right that you are that's the problem yeah Yeah. exactly you just nailed it it's like that's the only value system and actually it's really funny because to go back to clay um you know there's been that ongoing conversation since like whatever like the emancipation (laughs) of the crafts in like the 50s and 60s of like you know is photography and art is you know is you know can ceramics be art you know of course like hello robert arneson but like um you know, I was in a show last year with a bunch of artists, a bunch were in Ceramics Club, and it was all clay. Mm-hmm. And there's this guy, um, Garth Clark, who has, you know, quite a history of owning a gallery of all the ceramics, ceramic artists in New York, and he's retired and, like, in a bathrobe in Santa Fe, I think. Uh-huh. But he now, like, cool. goes on the Internet and, like, looks at shows of, like, artists that use ceramics and you know with a lot of hateful vengeance like goes after him really and i think he actually said that joanne greenbaum was like ruining contemporary ceramics (laughs) you know like and so because of their lack of mastery yeah so they're still like floating around it's still like floating around and um I mean, I guess like people like positions. It's fun to be positional, right? Totally. That's that's like coming back and everybody's bringing that back, right? It's like people who, who bring back Rosalind Krauss and yeah. Evil Aim One. Who are like, oh, you did all the positional people well or something. It's like, yeah. it's like the same kind of insanity, right? That your um, that your goal would become a better painter. Yeah. Do you think that which has, could be? Is it does it have something to do with like? I feel like there's a lot of fear in like deciding like, hey, I just like that. Yeah. Like, hey, I really like your shirt. That's okay. But if I'm going to walk into your studio, like, hey, I really love this painting. Yeah. Like, that's a more difficult assessment to me. Off of somebody's body and you're just, like, horrified. That's always one of my favorites. Oh, Seinfeld is a funny, funny Oh yeah, he gets into all kinds of. It's better and better. Yeah. As the time goes by. Yeah. Do you get hair in your clay? <laughs> hair in my clay? Yeah, all the time. 
I am actually one big hairball in my clay. Really? Yeah. Is that a serious problem? Like, I mean, no, it just burns off. It burns off in the thing, right? Although making all that flat shit and like rolling it out and standing on top of it all the time and lots of hair, that stuff does show up on the surface. Would you stand on it? I stand on things. Okay. Okay. Do you yeah. stand on things? Not a deposition. I don't stand on things. Yeah. Um, Pam, do you want to talk about the model show for a sec? Did you, that you referenced? Like, uh, sure. Yeah. Um, I had decided that uh, David's asking about a show that I did at um, a gallery about a year ago. Was it a year ago? I think so. Half a year ago. Maybe less. Um, but I worked on this project for uh, quite a long time. And it was, I was going to remake all the models from a Vudimus school, I, I should say it properly, Hutimus school classroom um, that all got destroyed uh, when Stalin closed the school in, you know, whenever that was, late 20s. And um, nothing survived, so I was, always had an interest in like sort of like redoing things, whatever that means. And actually, it's funny because I was talking about this project to a bunch of students recently, and they were like, Pam, is there more sadness when you redo things <laughs> that are lost or less sadness? And I was like, well, that's like the most amazing question I've been ever asked, and probably more sadness. <laughs> but um, anyway, so I redoed all the models from this classroom photo. So there's two things going on where I had to like, you know, work with a photo, which of course only exposes like a certain kind of angle of of an image, you know, and um, and trying to make them like they were made, which I thought was from solid blocks of clay. You know, so I thought, I'll just get big, gigantic solid blocks of clay and carve them. Yeah. And then it ended up, um, and I liked the way that they looked when they were wet. They looked like amazing in these photos, because photos survived. They, because of like, um, it was the 20s and the handheld Leica had just been like sort of invented, like everything was photographed. And you know, everything was disseminated like throughout the world because of like the handheld Leica. And, and so I tried to make these things out of big blocks of 100 pounds of clay, <laughs> you know? And they looked amazing, like wet, but then when they started to dry, they just were cracking, like everywhere, and like fall, you know, like breaking in half. And, you know, I made like 50 of them that like just broke. That was the breaks. And, and um, <laughs> that was the breaks. And so, you know, I was like on the phone with all my ceramics, like experts, like Adam, <laughs> Adam, Adam, like Skyping me, like, how do I make the ceramics not break and everything? He's like, you gotta call Fred at Amherst and make a certain body, uh -huh. you know, and everything. So anyways, I had to like make a certain body of clay with a lot of grog in it. And then I had to like dry them forever and I'd hollow them a certain way and blah, blah, blah. And I learned like, this was like a moment where my amateurism yeah, I was just gonna say. Cl clashed <laughs> with like the professional references <laughs> that I had to like dig into. But, um, but and you know, finally I was able to produce about like whatever, 40, 50 of these pieces, but like it was really like hard. Yeah. Like that was like the part where like ceramics um, was not democratic it was like i needed a lot of information i had to like ask a lot of people i had to get special things i had to spend money you know i had to do all sorts of stuff to make this project like go forward and um and then it worked you know and and so now i don't know what to do with that information because i have this like thing like where people are like oh pam Lynn's is like carving ceramics and i was just like 
it's like sculpture all like isn't that what people do yeah but i also like like lee i just got asked to be in like a museum show in ohio which i won't mention of like you know special ceramic um like procedures yeah and i was like no freaking way you know like like can't they just support like an artist instead instead of like a certain body of work or something because yeah. i've always been involved in like what do you got to learn for the work you know like you got to grow mushrooms you got to do clay you got to do whatever yeah. like you know yeah. whatever you have to like learn how what to do wherever the work sort of takes you that's always been my practice anyway so the models um yeah, so I made all those models from that one photo of the classroom. And it was um, a class called Space Class, which basically they never used paper pencil. They only made things in 3D models. Uh, so right. that was also really cool. Yeah. They thought that 2D came after, like after you made the model, then you'd make a little sketch of it. Wouldn't the world just be better if that totally, were the case? Totally, that was part of, the, part of that, yeah. 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 Like and why? Ideological code. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually I spent some time in LA last year and um, was I spent some time with this friend of mine, Erica Vote, and she yeah. has some yeah. real. Erica, we know yeah. Erica. I know. Well, but the podcast might not know Erica. But they probably know. She's a but, fantastic artist. Yeah. She's a really good artist. She's also a committed sculptor, and so much so. She slashed my tires last she, year. If, I'm <laughs> <laughs> she was like fucking painters. Yeah, she just oh wait, that was a knee slapper. Yeah, but like slashing a tire is a perfect. It it takes something 3D and makes it 2D. <laughs> <laughs> Returns it from whence it came, which is of course the 2D position, which is that that it precedes the. 3D. You're a pretty like 3D sco- a 3D painter though. What it is, it's like taking something 3D and making it flat. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> High five and Cam for the audience. Yeah. Let's do that again, Cam. <laughs> Erica, I just had a couple, I was a party or participant in a few conversations with Erica around a bonfire after a few drinks that involved arguments that perhaps anything but sculpture just shouldn't be made. Like everyone that's not a sculptor, sculptor should just go on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> is there, wait, could there some way that we could talk about okay, sculpture is not just being opinion, like but... the real world? Like, cause that was like, uh, there was a certain patent painter that I did a collaboration with, and the oh Whitney, yeah, I know that painter. And that like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And then we were always having, painters. and I'm we had painter. this really fun conversation. It was really totally fun for both of us. But she was always like, sculptures in the real world, paintings not. Sculptures in the real world, painting not. It was like, wait, we're just not the log on the floor. Like we're more. Wait, I have to say first of all <laughs> that you can't. I can't misrepresent Erica's position. Yeah. Erica's passionate about sculpture. Okay. Yeah. That is that is what that comes I wasn't misrepresenting it. Yeah. Yeah, but, good good idea. But I was just saying that there is a general kind of idea of describing sculpture that sculptures in the real world and painting is still somehow you know, flat and aligned with illusion. The realm of ideas. Well, I recently the attempted realm of to ideas. make yeah. a painting. <laughs> yeah, sculpture has no idea. Yeah, that's what they would say, these, <laughs> these partisans. I feel like that's really true. Or I don't actually know, because I've, I've only, I I've attempted like to make I feel sculpture filled with virtual space. It is filled with virtual space, but I think that there is something really like, 
you're I'm made of physical parts that have water in them. And um and I think like if I were gonna try to sculpt you, that would require me understanding your like weight. Like your not just your life like a la Rodin or something like right. in a psychological sense, but yeah. like I have to consider like how you are built physically. That's like a body. And I feel like in attempting to render you in a in the space of a painting, I have to do I have to do that or do I have to like look at how light is hitting you and right. and therefore how you're composed like of like refractions. Yeah. yeah. Like it's more of like it's not that you're flat. It's not like painting is flat about being about illusion necessarily, but about another material like light or. Well, it's about another means of seeing. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I would agree. Yeah, but it's also about surfaces, which reinforces all kinds of yeah stuff. Well, but I mean, and that sort of complicates the question a little bit because the sculpture that I make is about surfaces too. Right. I mean, these are very loose categories. Yeah, right. and surface is something that will go across all mediums. For sure. Right, and that's yeah. why the conversation between sculpture and painting is a little bit more fraught than just like, you are an illusion if you're a painting, yeah. and you are a physical object if you're like your you're a window. Your real life. If Painting's you're a, a window. <laughs> David, yeah. you're an illusion. Okay. <laughs> What's this? And a physical object. I'm both. Yeah. You are both. It's true. We all are. Wait, so we like okay. Let's go back to this idea then, that this the the you know some of the faculty at this Vudima school sort of thought that the way to approach ideas about thinking creatively, or you know I know the interest was also that like you know artists could sort of help the world socially, right? Whether you were making a painting or you're making a stove, right? Because Tatlin eventually made stoves which is like just crazy right it's cool yeah. um and so you're in agreement that making things three-dimensionally is a more sort of uh progressive way of thinking i think and that, then what do we do with the computer i actually i do <laughs> think that they're both necessary if there are two i mean i i, I would venture to say that there are more than two but i feel like not that one comes in front of the other or vice versa, but I do think that being a person who s started with photography. Me too. Then, really? Yeah. Oh, that's like why I look at photos all the time for my work, you know? But I'm also interested in like what a historical photo doesn't show. That's like my whole thing. Or what a photo period doesn't show. Yeah. All photos are historical, like Mitch Hedberg would say. I'm so jealous. But I have a cold right now. Lee, has, Lee is our first um, return podcast guest. <laughs> I know, like, I know. She's, she's the first person who's done this more than once. Let's <laughs> not publicize that. And it's does not. That, does that terrify you? <laughs> uh, our first go around was oh, a real. You, you wish that that had never happened and that we just burned that audio. A little well, bit. In yeah. fact, we did actually basically burn that audio. I've been trying to get hold of it myself and, and, no. I, and I can't. Can't. They won't give it to me. No, well, 
Just let it be. If we have to burn this one, that's okay too. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Burning, that's very on topic for our clay podcast. Yeah. That's Shove it a different seeing way. things as clearly as she ever has. As clearly as ever. You, I mean, you don't have to talk, but like, you were at a lengthy meditation. Do you have, what's like your baseline? What's the takeaway? Yeah. The longer you sit, the harder it is. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that it would get easier. That like, the body would start to adjust. How long did you sit for? Um, there were six half-hour sessions, and then multiple other things that happened in silence and uh, Dharma talk and a discussion. What is Dharma talk? It's when a person who has, like a senior staff person, uh, like someone who has some spiritual time in the monastery or the in the trenches in the trenches uh give they, a talk they, would, they just give a talk about buddhism <laughs> really it was really interesting as an indebtedness because tomorrow's martin luther king's birthday isn't it monday tomorrow monday monday is yeah no it's dr martin luther, luther king, king jr <laughs> <laughs> thank you so, i feel like it might be might be easier to do that if you were walking is there such a meditation practice where you're just where you, walk? where you just walk instead of sitting? You do walk in between sitting. Oh, okay. But you, it's very sit? slow walking. Do you do a mantra? You there are chanting periods where you chant things that they hand out on cards. Some people have been memorized. And you're on the floor on a pillow. Pillow on top of it, like a round pillow on a square pillow. 